Hey everyone, welcome back to the Holy Girl Hotline. I'm your host, Sid, and today we're going to be talking about identity and all the different things that try to pull and tug at our identity in this generation. Well, really not all the things. This could be multiple parts, I feel. But today we're going to talk about specific things that pull at our identity and try to define them in ways that are antithetical or contrary to what Christ says about us. So, yeah, hope you're doing good. Today's Sunday. And I'm recording this kind of late, Loki, but that's okay. Um, I literally never record on Sunday. And it's like after church, I'm like feeling good, had a good sermon um, and, you know, some good fellowship, of course. So it's good to be recording in this mood, in this vein. So, yeah, um, hope you guys are doing well. Hope your year has been going well so far. I know Valentine's Day is coming up. So if you have plans for that, awesome. If you don't know that you still have your first love and you are not alone okay your first love jesus christ is with you and he is going to always be the one that fulfills you and has given you the best gift not just a valentine's day the best eternal gift which is salvation so spend the day with him praise him um and just appreciate him every day of the year but especially on days like holidays i guess so yeah anyways without further ado i'm gonna jump into this or at least what the topic is about so like I said, we're going to be talking about things that try to ident- to define our identity. And one of those things that I was kind of like was on my heart. And as I had been praying for like topic ideas, this was something that came to me, which is like personality tests and zodiacs and like all those different types of online tests and things that try to like tell you like what your identity is or your personality or different character traits based on like a category that you're in based on your test results. Um, so let me give you a little bit of background for this and like why this was on my heart. Um, recently, my roommate and I, and I feel like I talk about my roommate a lot. I'm gonna try and get her on here eventually, but I got to convince her first. If you're listening to this, which I know she probably is, then hey. But anyway, so yeah, we were taking this test online. It was like an attachment styles test. And I remember like, I don't even know how we got on the topic, but it was mad late, like always when we get into these type of rabbit holes and... <laughs> and we were doing an attachment styles test and then I remember getting my results and being so down about it because like it was like low-key kind of negative and like I was like yeah some of this seems true but some of it is like not really but I was like questioning myself and I was like well maybe I really am like this da 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 and it was like a lot of it was making me feel really down and I was like kind of embarrassed and like almost feeling like I was allowing it to like control my emotions about myself in a way and like almost control how I looked at myself in this area in 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 a way of shame almost and um so yeah there's been so many like situations like this like because sometimes we have to take personality tests for school and like you know it's like a get to know you type of assignment and you know you get these test results and they put you in this category and it kind of gives you like an identity and you can read about it and oftentimes a lot of it like seems true but then there's some of it it's like almost like you're trying to fit yourself more into the results than the results are fitting you in a way I don't know if anyone else can relate to that but that's just kind of how I feel about these things sometimes um and so later on that night or maybe the next day I felt like convicted about how I was feeling about those test results and like giving it so much weight over my emotions and like how I was identifying myself in that area and like letting it almost make me feel shame about myself in areas that I didn't even think were true to be honest and so yeah I felt convicted about it and I was like why not make an episode about this because I cannot be the only person that has ever really gone through this or like struggled with this right so 
I wanted to make it more broad to just like identity crisis in general and even in the area of zodiac signs um because I feel like it's kind of related like how people allow it to kind of identify themselves and like categorize them and all these different types of things and personally I've never gotten into zodiac signs even when I was younger praise god I never really got into it but I know that it's a very big like point of identity in our generation like people introduce themselves with it they have it in their like bios and there's different types I don't really know how it works too much but I know like people use them to make really big like decisions and even allow them to determine who can be who they can be friends with and like who they can be romantically involved with and things like that and I you know I've never been into it so I don't have a personal testimony with it so I started looking into it like on YouTube trying to find some testimony so that I could learn more like about a Christian perspective of it um just like personal experience type of thing and I came across this testimony of this girl who was who is a Christian and she was when she was younger but she was a Christian who also like was into astrology because she had not yet read the verses or like been taught that those two things were conflicting or like that the Bible talked against astrology and things like that which we're going to get into later, for sure. But yeah, so she was giving her testimony and she was talking about how uh, she used to be a Christian and she used to read the Bible and she used to talk about Christ and evangelize and all these things, but she would also like be into astrology and all these different things. Like she was pretty deep into it too. So it was interesting. And she said that like the astrology part of it, it started off as like relatable and understanding. And like, you know, she would read something about her like zodiac sign, I guess. And like she would find it relatable and it would be like uplifting and encouraging and like, you know, like it would be relatable. Like it would say things about her that she found to be true. So it was like, if this is saying things that are true, why wouldn't I believe it? You know, and it didn't seem like an inherently evil thing. But she said that eventually it started turning into like something that ascribed her personality, almost like what I was explaining earlier, like how almost I tried to fit myself into my test results rather than letting the test results fit me. And she was talking about how, like, if the Zodiac said something negative, she would ascribe it to herself, even if it was against the fruit of the spirit. So, like, if the Zodiac, I don't know, said something about, like, depression or anger or something like that, like, she would ascribe it to herself. And I've even seen this, like, with friends or just, like, on social media, how people will justify or excuse their wrong behavior with their Zodiac sign. People will be like oh, I'm a blank, so I I am supposed to get angry. Or, like, I'm a blank, so I am argumentative. And it's, like, people, Christians even, will use, will excuse their behavior, their sinful behavior, with this identifying factor of a zodiac sign, right? And so I just thought it was interesting looking more deeply into it and kind of, like, being given eyes to see what it looks like in the world and how it manifests itself to kind of almost excuse or justify things that are sinful um sinfully defined by god right but the zodiac will kind of justify them as just like regular personality traits like that's just who you are um so i kind of wanted to dig a little deeper into it and kind of talk about what is it and then what does the bible say about it because you know it's as christians we should always make sure that we are allowing the bible to define our truth and to define who we are so if any of you are listening to this and you're a Christian and you're into like astrology or even you just you wouldn't even say you're into it, but you dabble in it slightly or, you know, you read a Zodiac every now and then. I don't really know. But if there's anything like that, I just want to invite you to listen further um, just so I can give some biblical perspective on it. Um, like I said, we want to let the Bible as Christians, we want to let the Bible define what is good and evil for us. 
So I'm going to just let the Bible do the talking. I'm going to give my own little two cents in there, here and there. But at the end of the day, pray about it and see where you are led and how you are feeling convicted. I don't say any of this to be condemning or anything like that, but I just want to shine light on some of the things that are normalized in our culture that we as Christians should be aware of. So that being said, what is astrology? Uh, this is like a quick little Google search, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I put that it interprets stars and patterns and constellations as indicators of human destiny. And it says that destiny is tied to the stars you were born under, which determines your, zodi- your zodiac sign. Um, so, for example, I know that like I'm an Aries, I think. I read that like once when I was in high school. I don't really know what it means to be for real. But it means that a certain star set of stars or like a line, star pattern that I was born under and it says certain things about like my personality, my characteristics, my tendencies, my destiny, things like that. So that's kind of the idea of what astrology is. Um, it uses like natural things to talk about its relation to like human nature, human destiny, things like that, um, which doesn't sound inherently bad, right? I mean, that doesn't sound like a red flag. It doesn't sound like something that could deceive us or it could be something that goes against God. After all, it's using his creation to tell us about us, right? Um, So it seems like it could be a subtle kind of sneaky thing that we might have to be aware of. So let's see what the Bible says about it. So let's talk about what the Bible says about stars first. The stars are used as a continual illustration in the Bible. They come up quite a bit, um, but it's used as illustrations of God's creative power and his majesty. And the stars were also used for timekeeping. I'm going to read Genesis 114 as a good example of this. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. So this is literally a direct reference to God creating the stars. He said that they would be lights in the skies to give us signs and seasons, like timekeeping, like I mentioned earlier, and to give light upon the earth. So this was God's intent for creating stars. Um, We also see, like I mentioned earlier, like it's an illustration for his creative power, his might. Um, God tells Abraham that his like descendants will be as many as the stars. And it's different illustrations like that. And it's like if if the stars are so innumerable and the stars are so vast and we could never even try to count them, how much more powerful is the God who created them? So that's kind of what a stars, the stars are um, an illustration of in the scripture. So moving on from that, let's talk more about astrology, right? Um, And how the Bible talks about it, how the Bible characterizes it, and if we can see any examples of the Bible speaking against it or warning against it. My searches took me to Daniel because Daniel is a good example of the power of God displayed against like demonic power of like magic and sorcery and witchcraft and things like that. Okay, a little bit of context. So Daniel was an appointed man of God. He was actually quite young um, and he was brought into a nation of gentiles people who did not believe in god who did not follow the hebrew god and david was a hebrew boy he was brought into another nation but he was faithful in serving the lord and representing the lord even in this foreign land david never folded he never compromised on his faith he never you know compromised and bent to the ways of the world around him so he was a very strong servant of the lord and the lord used him in many many ways to display his power So in my search of kind of looking for like the might of God against um, astrology, I was led to Daniel. And in here we have for context, there was a king called Nebuchadnezzar and he had um, these dreams that he needed to be interpreted. And so he would call like so many magicians and sorcerers and, and witch 
people witches <laughs> witchcraft people are they they're witches i'm pretty sure but is that like a female term for witch witches like is witch a female term i don't know maybe i just sounded really slow right there but we're gonna keep moving um he would use all of these he would call all these different people to come and interpret his dreams and none of them had the success that daniel had because daniel was doing it under the power of god so more on that in a second, but let me read Daniel 2 because Daniel 2 is going to give us more insight into this and kind of talk about the power of God versus the power of these like magicians. So let's read Daniel 2 1. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. And they came in and stood before the king. Okay, I'm going to skip down a little bit. Um, because basically you, I encourage you to read Daniel on your own, but this part is basically just the dialogue between them talking about how he wants them to interpret, interpret the dream. Okay. So I'm going to jump down to verse 27 and no, I'm going to jump down to verse 26. And this is kind of like after the, all the people who he had called in, tried to interpret the dream and Daniel was the only one that was successful. Verse 26 says the king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar. Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar that will be what will be in the latter days. And then David goes on, I mean, not David, sorry. Daniel goes on to interpret the dream completely in a true way. And yeah, so here we see the power of God is in opposition to the power of these magicians and these astrologers and these enchanters, right? He says, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery, but there's a God in heaven who can. So we see that like there is a contradiction and there's a juxtaposition between these two forces, the forces of God, the power of God, and the power of these magicians. Well, where are the magicians and astrologers getting their power? If they're not getting it from God, who is in opposition to them, then they must be getting it from Satan. So it would be wise to infer that magicians and astrologers and enchanters are getting their power from demonic forces, are getting their power from, from Satan as their source. And I don't want that to sound too complex. It really is just the logic that if the power isn't coming from God, it has to be coming from someone else. And the only other force who has been allowed that power by God is Satan. So Satan is the one giving them that power. Obviously, a little flex, God is always going to be the one that is victorious over Satan. And once again, Satan took another L. Like his magicians and his demonic power could not do half of nearly what, what God could do. So once again, we see the power of God prevails over these demonic forces. But that kind of juxtaposition hints to us that astrology in itself is a, something that is fueled by the power of the devil, not from God. If it's in opposition to the, what God is doing here, if it's in opposition to the power of God, it's not coming from him. So that's our first little hint. Next, we're going to go into Isaiah. This was another verse that I saw while I was looking things up, trying to um, find verses that talked specifically about astrology. Uh, so let's go to Isaiah 47 verses 13 and 14. The way I just struggled to find Isaiah on my phone is insane. That's embarrassing. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> let's read Isaiah 47, 13. It says, You are wearied with your many counsels. Let them stand forth and save you. Those who defied the heavens, who gaze at the stars, who at the new moons make known what shall come upon you. 
Behold, they are like stubble. The fire consumes them. They cannot deliver themselves from the power of the flame. No coal for warming oneself is this. No fire to sit before. Okay. So in these two verses, basically Isaiah is a prophet. He gives warnings and basically is the mouthpiece of the word of God to to the people on earth. God speaks through the prophets and Isaiah is one of them. So here he's saying that let those who divide the heavens, who gaze at the stars, these, these people that he was referring to are astrologers. It's like I mentioned before, what is astrology? This is a kind of biblical definition of astrology. Those who gaze at the stars, divide the heavens, who make, who at the new moons make known what shall come upon you. It's what I mentioned earlier about looking at like constellations and patterns in the sky and the stars to determine human destiny. That's what Isaiah is referring to here. Um, so they look at the heavens, the stars, and the moons to make known what shall come upon humans, the destiny. But Isaiah rebukes this and says that they are like stubble and that fire will consume them and they cannot deliver themselves. Here we see again, the power of God is against the demonic power that fuels this astrology, right? It's very clear here that he says that those who divide the heavens, those astrologers will be consumed by fire from God. And so we see once again that these two things are opposed and they cannot coexist. We can't have the power of God and the power of Satan at the same time. It has to be one or the other, right? So if God is giving a warning to those who divide the heavens, if God is giving a warning to these astrologers that they will be consumed, then we know that there has to be something evil behind it, that there's something that he does not intend for us behind it, right? Um, so that's another kind of hint. That's a more direct one, less of a hint, more of like a telltale like warning, right? But let's do one more. Let's go to Deuteronomy uh, chapter four, verse 19. Oh, this one is good, y'all. Okay. So context of Deuteronomy is that this is God giving his law to his people, to the people of Israel. This is the beginning when he's establishing covenant with them. And here's he, here he is giving them his will and his laws and his commandments. So verse 19 says, and beware lest you raise your eyes to heaven. And when you see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the hosts of heaven, you be drawn away and bow down to them and serve them, things that the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. Okay, so here we see almost that God is saying, don't let the heavens in my creation, don't let the heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars, and everything up there become a form of worship. In other words, like, don't worship what I've created, worship me who created it. I think what God is really saying here is that one of Satan's traps will be for us to worship his creation, God's creation, rather than God himself. Because if Satan can distract us from the one who created everything by making us worship the creation itself, then we don't see a need for God and Satan wins, right? If creation doesn't see the need for a creator and we start to worship other created things, then we are deceived. So we shouldn't serve the things that God has created. And here it almost paints astrology as a form of worship of the stars, of the heavens, of the moons, and things that God has created, instead of worshiping him who created them. Because as Christians, why should we look to other things for our destiny? Why should we look to things that God has created to determine what the outcomes of our life will be, to determine what our identity is, to determine our characteristics? Why wouldn't we let our creator define that for us? I think it's a big deception Wow, I just put my hand down and my hand was on a ladybug. That is insane. Okay, wow. I just touched the ladybug. Okay, 
anyways <laughs> we have to be careful and this goes for every single area of life like not just astrology but like make sure that we're not worshiping created things because that's where satan traps us if we can get our eyes off of the creator and onto the creation as a form of worship then then we miss it then we miss him so as Christians, be careful that your identity and your destiny and everything is rooted in Christ and not the things that he has created. Um, so that's another thing about astrology. I hope that these are kind of convincing. Read them for yourself. Um, meditate on them. Pray about them. See where the Lord leads you. But I think these are very, in my interpretation, very telltale signs and warnings against astrology. Um, one thing I love about the Bible is like there's nothing new under the sun, as Ecclesiastes says. And astrology seems like this new, like, in our generation, new age kind of belief religion, right? It almost seems like something our generation is obsessed with and, like, this has never happened before. But it's really not new because the Bible talks about it. There's an answer for everything. The Bible is so amazing because God never changes. And he knows what—he knows everything we're going to get into and everything we're going to dabble in and everything—all these false religions that we're going to make up. So he just goes ahead and addresses everything, and I think it's beautiful. So these are the biblical warnings. There are more out there, but these are some of the biblical verses that I found for this episode that are literally directly addressing astrology itself. He says, don't worship the things that are created, and don't let them define your identity when I'm the one who created you. And also he says that— you know, in Isaiah, that people who do these things will be consumed with fire from the Lord, that they will be punished. So clearly there's something evil associated with it. And again, in Daniel, we see that the power of God is against the power of this, this astrology, this magic, this witchcraft, all of it. So if God is against it. That means that, the, that Satan is behind it. That means nothing good can come from it. So we have no business dabbling in it at all. So... Let's go a little bit more into <clears throat> what seems more subtle and less sinful, which is personality tests. Now, I'm not here to say that, like, taking a personality test is sinful and, like, you should never do it. Like, get a zero on your assignment if the teacher asks you to do it. Like, no, I'm not saying that because I had to do it for an assignment the other day. But <laughs> what I'm saying is I oftentimes find myself, like, more likely to justify, like, online tests and other things like that that character categorize your personality or your characteristics because the bible doesn't like explicitly talk about it like at least with astrology it's like the bible explicitly talks about you know don't worship all these things you know all the things i just read and it's like the bible explicitly talks about that so i'm not going to be fooled by that but i feel like personality tests and like online tests and all those different like categorization things are a lot more subtle because they're not inherently bad i mean they're not like demonic right but I think they can still have a similar effect of categorizing our identity and almost limiting us in a sense that we're not going to God to define who we are. And we're not letting the Bible define who we are, but instead we are being defined by these categories and these labels that we're putting on ourselves by taking these tests. Does that make sense? I hope it does, um, because this is just something I noticed in myself. Like, I'm never going to read a Zodiac, but boy, will I take an attachment style test. Okay, and I will get I just the same way as somebody who reads a Zodiac might ascribe those things to their identity. I might do the same exact things with the attachment style test like I did a couple days ago. So it doesn't really matter what form it's coming in. If it's having the same effect of taking your identity out of being rooted in Christ and putting it somewhere else, then it's having that same effect. Then it's something that we should be wary of. Right. And if the Bible gives such warnings against astrology for this reason, I think it's wise to apply it to other areas, too. So yeah, I just wanted to talk about that because I think it's something that comes up in a lot more of a speaky kind of subtle form, but 
just be careful and be discerning. I'm not saying never take a test again, but just be careful that what you're doing and who you're defining yourself as and like who you choose to identify as and how you define yourself is coming ultimately from the spirit and it's coming ultimately from the Bible, from a biblical perspective. I want to remind you of the fruit of the spirit. And I want to remind you that if anything is telling you that you are, that you have a a characteristic that is contrary to the fruit of the spirit, or you are a person that is contrary to one of these fruits of the spirit, then that is not something that you should allow to define your identity. So let's read Galatians 5. We all know it, but I'm going to read it again because it's really important to have this reminder because this is what defines our identity as people of the spirit, as people who are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. This is our identity. Not what any test tells us or not what any astrological sign tells us. This is where we should be getting our complete and total identity. So let's read Galatians 5.16. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Ooh, sorcery is in there, y'all. Hold on. I didn't even see that. Okay. Sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. So I love this passage. It's one of my faves. But yeah, it's just a great reminder of all the things that we are not to be as as followers of Christ. And so often... Zodiacs or personality tests will say that this is just who you are. Like, this is just part of your personality trait. This is just part of your characteristic. This is just part of the label that we've given you. But, like, I want this to be a reminder that it is Christ who defines who we are. It is Christ who gives us his spirit that transforms us to bear the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of these things, right? And so, no matter what some test says about you, I'm really preaching to myself right now. If a test says something about you that is negative or something that you feel really goes against your character and doesn't really exemplify who you are, don't let that get you down. That doesn't define your identity, right? Your identity is found in Christ and Christ alone. So read the Bible to define who you are. Allow the Holy Spirit to transform and to refine and to sanctify all of the areas in your life that you are not yet content and that you are not yet reflecting Christ, allow him to transform those things. Don't just accept them and become content with them just because that's who you are, but allow Christ to transform and, and to purify you because that's, that's what he's literally in the business of doing. I hope this is encouraging. Like I said, I don't say any of this to be condemning. Literally, I just experienced this a couple of days ago and I wanted this to be a reminder for myself and for others. Um, but just know that Christ is who your identity is rooted in. Our identity is found in him and him alone. The devil is sneaky and he tries to use very subtle things that don't seem inherently wrong to begin to subtly influence us against Christ and to begin to subtly identify us in a way that doesn't make us children of the Most High. Um, But we represent Christ and our identity is is found in the one who has adopted us and the one who has saved us. And he is our father and we are his children. So we are his 
and no test or no zodiac or anything differently can tell you otherwise. So be strong in that, be courageous in that, and let Christ define who you are. Submit to him fully and don't let anything else get in the way of that. I hope this was encouraging um, because it really was for me and it's something I just wanted to share in case any of you are experiencing that. Just be encouraged and just be reminded that, you know, your identity is found in Christ and he loves you. And with all of your flaws and all of your shortcomings, bring it to him, submit them to him, and he will transform you. Um, Yeah, that's all I got for today, you guys. I really hope that helps. And um, follow me on Instagram at Holy Girl Hotline if you don't already. I really I've been saying that I want to do Bible studies for like the past couple episodes. I really, really do. But I think I really want to read Hosea. So like if y'all are down, I would love to do that one day. But, like, not the whole book. (laughs) Just, like, a chapter or two. And just kind of talk about it. But I feel like that would be so fun. So, anyways, I'll say more about that on Instagram. Because I really would be down to do that. Sorry for not posting last week. I had, like, a bunch of crazy midterms this week. Or this past week. So, it was wild. But, um, we back. And better. So, yeah. Next episode coming soon. I don't know what it's going to be about yet. But it'll be a good one, I'm sure. Um... (laughs) God willing. And I love you guys. I can't wait to see you next week. Reach out if you have any questions or concerns and I love you all. Bye.